BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a week one edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. And have we got a treat for you. We have Sam Doughton on board tonight. Uh, Sam is a staff writer for GoBlueRaiders.com. Uh, he works within the MTSU athletic department, and uh, he's certainly a treat tonight. Teeing us up uh, the ins and outs of uh, MTSU, their roster, their coaching staff, and uh, really, I think there's some interesting matchups that as Alabama fans will get to watch on uh, Saturday. And, and Sam really helps us sort of uh, understand those and pick through those in what ends up being just a really good uh, conversation. So uh, jump in and we'll pass the ball to the interview. Go. All right. Welcome back, Alabama fans. And have we got a treat for you? We have the Sam Doughton with the MTSU Athletic Department, writer for GoBlueRaiders.com. Sam, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, thanks for having me on, Dave. Pleasure to be here. Fantastic. And we survived another offseason, and here we are kicking off in just a handful of days. Like, we're, we're all super excited about this, right? Oh, I'm super pumped. You know, I, I've been I've been counting down the days till September 2nd, personally. You know, camp is such a grind when, when you're out there day to day, and I'm not even out in the heat like the players are most days. I just get to come in right at the end and do some interviews. But very exciting times, and, and I know – Everyone's just got a lot of anxious energy. They're ready to get off. And, I, you know, I think for, for people like me and people like you that cover these teams closely and watch these teams closely, you're just ready to get some answers to some questions you've had all off season, And, you know, hopefully each team will, will be able to answer some of those things after this right. weekend. Right. Hey, talk to us about or maybe introduce us a little bit to head coach uh, uh, Rick uh, Stockstill. 18 years head coach at uh, MTSU. So he's, he's definitely put in some time. And uh, back in the day, uh, he was a quarterback for uh, Bobby Bowden, FSU. And so some folks have maybe heard him 
heard the name is familiar for uh, you know some context there, but introduce us to to Coach uh, Stockstill. Uh, runs a little bit of an air raid offense. What can Alabama fans expect from uh, Stockstill's uh, offense on Saturday? Well, you know the biggest thing with Rick Stockstill, obviously being here eighteen years, is the stability he's provided the program in that time. I think you know now that Pat Fitzgerald has left Northwestern, he's either the the sixth or fifth longest tenured coach in all the FBS. So he's been around a really long time. And, and on top of that, he's kept a lot of the same coaches uh, on his staff for a really long time. Uh, defense coordinator Scott Schaefer used to be the head coach at Syracuse. This is entering his seventh year on staff. Um, he's got a bunch of former players on staff. That, like I think we have two position coaches and then another two GAs that actually played in the last MTSU Alabama game in 2015, including his son, Brent Stockstill. So he, he it's a real family atmosphere because of that, because he's been around so long, he's been able to bring back his own guys and, and sort of fill holes in his staff as, as guys move on and guys move up. Um, and, and so that's really exciting. It, it's interesting to be a part of, and it's always good for rivalry week because you have coaches that have fun stories about right. teams that they've played and, and, and can often pull out some, some good content on my end from them. Um, but, you know, he, he's really somebody that, that sticks with his offensive coordinator cook on offense. He obviously has a lot of influence with it being a, a former quarterback and and has tended to stick around the air raid tree a lot of the times with his coordinators. Uh, and, and certainly he has a guy that's about as close to the, the how mummy trees you can get without being a member of the mummy family. And Mitch Stewart, who was a, a quarterback at Valdosta State, which is, you know, where, where Mike Leach and how mummy cut their teeth coming up. Yep. And so. Uh, definitely part of that tree. You know, it doesn't run into Peter as a Mike Leach type might be, but but you, you see the elements of it, right? You see the four wide sets. You see stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's an offense where Rick is going to let his quarterback cook and, and let and let the quarterback be trusted. And, you know, so, something they put a lot of trust in Chase Cunningham last year, and, and they have a lot of confidence in, in Nicholas Vadiato this year as a guy that, that can be that point guard in the offense and, and distribute the ball out and, and find open space and, and be successful. Um, you know, one of my favorite things about Rick is that he is still that uh, quarterback at FSU with the chip on his shoulder at his heart. You, you don't see it that often. Uh, he, he he definitely, you know, that 18 years in and, you know, keeps his cards close to the chest a lot of times and has, you know, figured out all the, the coach speak and everything. But, you know, I think he saw it when, when Middle Tennessee upset Miami last year and, and got that big win. Uh, you know, he would have been excited about any Power 5 win, obviously, but I think he was extra excited that he got to knock off his old rival um, in the Hurricanes. You know, that that was a big one. I was going to ask, what's what what's the temperature you think of the fan base? You know, eight and five last year, uh, a win in the Hawaii Bowl. That's got to be a good place to go in, in December and January. And then the win over uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, it, MTSU's got to be looking forward to playing another uh, Kevin Steele defense, right? <laughs> they are excited about that. I mean, I think the general temperature of the fan base is they are, you know, things are more optimistic than they were when I got here. I, when I started here in 2021, they had just come off of two losing seasons, one of which was the COVID year in 2020, which, you know, lots of weird things happened. They had to prepare for Army on, I think, four days notice at one point in that season and, and some other stuff. But, you know, one thing about Rick is, you know, they, Rick Stockstill's been here a very long time, but th that's not come with maybe the, the conference championships that, that one might expect necessarily. Um, he, he's won a share of a conference title a couple times in the Sun Belt, has a conference USA East division title under his belt. But, you know, there, there's definitely an element of the fan base that that wants the team to take that next step this year. Now that Conference USA has a new look, has four new teams, you know, a new nine-team conference. 
Uh, they, they want middle to be in that conversation now that, that some of those teams have moved on. And there's some hope that th- this could be the year where, where they take that next step up and get in that championship conversation. But there's a lot of football to be played before we get, we have any answers on that front. So he, he's somebody that runs a super clean program. That's one of the reasons he, he, he stuck around for so long is, is there's almost never any off-field stuff or academic stuff that, that causes any serious problems with anything. That was one of the the big issues of the program when they came in is that the, uh, our university president, Sidney A. McPhee, was one of the presidents on the NCAA board that started the uh, academic progress rate, better known as APR, yep. uh, to measure uh, the academic progress rate. And then, you know, the first year of APR scores coming out, uh, Middle Tennessee was dead last in APR in the entire country. So when uh, Coach Stock still was higher, that was a big point of emphasis is to get those APR up. And they've been at near the top of APR and all of FBS since then. And so it's, you know, that's a, a huge credit that you can't say that about every program, honestly, right. in this day and age. And uh, but it's something that middle takes a lot of pride in. And, and you know, being a member of the athletic department, something that, you know, I have a lot of pride in that it's not just true football, but almost all of our programs here. That's, you know, the goal for everybody. And they do a pretty good job of that. That's fantastic. You know, going into the uh, going into the game Saturday, one one distinct advantage uh, MTSU has is knowing who the starting quarterback is. Uh, Alabama is not sure, and and uh, we may play several. But talk to us about uh, Nicholas uh, uh, Vadiato. He started uh, a little bit last year, a little bit the year before, and uh, due to injury, there's been some some movement there. But it's his team this year. Talk about uh, uh, what his style of play and maybe what uh, uh, Blue Raider fans uh, expect from him. Well, you know, Nicholas is, is such a fantastic college football story, Dave. You know, he, he's he came in, you know, he, he was a, a COVID year recruit. You know, I talked to him last week about what his recruiting process was like. He's like, well, I was on a lot of Zoom calls like you and I are right now. And, uh, you know, having to Zoom with Coach Stockstill in my, uh, you know, kitchen with my mom and and talk to him about that and having our our linebacker coach, you know, go on a uh, FaceTime tour of campus and walk around and, and show the buildings. But. Uh, built up a good relationship with the coaches that way and, you know, came in as uh, a pocket passer. I was expected to redshirt as a freshman, but uh, some extenuating circumstances happened that year. The The initial starting quarterback was an NC State transfer named Bailey Hockman. He left the team after the third game due to personal reasons. Uh, so Chase Cunningham, who was sort of a, you know, former walk-on, uh, got to step into the starting role, did well with that, and then uh, Chase tore his ACL in, I think, the eighth game of the season. Uh, so the ninth game of the season, they were down to two scholarship quarterbacks, and they thought they had a better shot with Nick at, at the helm as the starter. So he got the nod after, you know, a little mini competition in, in week nine or whatever that was and uh, had the keys the rest of the way, ended up winning uh, three, going three and two in those starts, and, and including a bowl win and a bowl MVP performance. Uh, really an incredible step up for a true freshman, and particularly, you know, after he threw five interceptions in his first career start against – middle's biggest rival which is western kentucky and you know earned a lot of respect from a lot of different people around the program with his you know his guts his poise and his improvement uh over that 2021 season and then you know entering 2022 he was in an open competition for the quarterback spot uh chase ended up coming back from injury and beating him out so uh the goal for him at that point was to get his red shirt back and they were able to do that uh just by the skin of his teeth chase ended up having a to miss a game because due to a concussion late in the season, but Nick came in and won his only start that year against Charlotte. Nice. So, you know, 
he's somebody that for a first year starter as like being the guy has a lot of experience for a first year starter. But, you know, one thing Rick Stock still points out all the time is, you know, he's only really played in six games total in his college career if he had everything up. So he, he's still relatively inexperienced, but the, the flashes we've seen from him in those games, he he's very much a pass first guy. You know, he's somebody that's going to stand tall in the pocket and, and make accurate throws downfield has a, has a strong enough arm to make throws, you know, down the field. Um, but is you know best known for his decision making, right? Like he's going to get the ball in the right spot, nice. he's got a quick quick release to get the ball out, and, and it's just a good fit for what they want the quarterback to do in, in Mitch Stewart's scheme. And you know that that's why he he's pretty much had the job since the spring. Um, you know, second year in the offense, he's got a lot of familiarity with it, and and you know had a tough competition against a guy that put up some good numbers last year in Chase Cunningham. So. Got to have a lot of confidence in. Guy was voted the team captain as redshirt sophomore, which you don't hear about all the time either. Um, so definitely, you know, good head on his shoulders, you know, wise beyond his ears, all those cliches, true of Nick <laughs> all the time. And uh, somebody I'm excited to see what he does when he, he he doesn't have to worry about injuries or worry about, you know, guys coming back. You know, what can he do knowing that he's the guy all summer, all August? And, you know, results in the scrimmages have been pretty good so far. Talk about uh, talk about his targets. A couple of transfers or graduate uh, graduating uh, seniors, and so uh, it, it's uh, there's certainly some returning players, uh, but a little bit of turnover maybe across the receiving core. Who are some of the primary targets uh, Alabama fans should uh, look for on Saturday? Oh, this is easily the position group that I think's had the most turnover this year, and that's in part because you know middle plays four wide receivers traditionally. But you know, you mentioned Jalen Wayne, who was the leading receiver last year. He's now a Virginia Tech Hokie. That's where he transferred to this offseason. Um, and then you know, two the two other top targets, Yusuf Ali and Isaiah Gaythings, both graduated. So you really only have DJ England Chisholm back that was in that at that starting rotation. And, you know, he is speed. That is the easiest thing to talk about. Them. You know, 5'8", 152, playing on the outside. You know, that doesn't make sense at first glance. But then you see him run past uh, defensive backs, and you're like, oh, that's why he's playing on the outside. It's because he, he right. has that game-breaking speed. And, you know, he got to show off that game-breaking speed against Miami last year. I believe he, he had two catches for 169 yards and two touchdowns against the Hurricane, including a 98-yard touchdown. So he he he's got you. You've got to stay in front of him, yeah. and that that, that that is easier said than done. Right, but right. you know, but because of that speed and the attention you have to pay to it, even when he's not getting targeted necessarily, he can open up options for other he guys. Excuse the defense towards yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like he. So fantastic. you know, he's somebody that's really critical to what they want to do on offense, even when he's not necessarily getting the ball, and and he's somebody that if he gets the ball, like he could be gone before you know it. So if he yeah, if he uh, he's a target, but if he's a if he's a decoy on some plays, uh, who who are the who, who's maybe next up uh, to look for? Well, well, one one position that I've enjoyed seeing the depth of is what they call the wide receiver H or uh, on the depth chart. It, it's almost a tight end, almost an H back, but more of a slot receiver. Um, <laughs> but but the the types of players they have playing there are usually converted tight ends or guys that are six four, six five. Okay. And so you're using that guy in sort of slot receiver type patterns. They're running in the flats. They're running, you know, short dig curls. They're running outs, things like that. And they just seem to be open all the time. Just, you know, against soft zones, they're they're the guys getting five, six, seven yard gains consistently. And so they, you know, they're the check down options, whatever may have you, but often they're, you know, first looks off the snap, just getting open real quick on sort of little, little, little tiny stick routes and stuff like that. So Jeremy Tate and Holden Willis are going to be, 
rotating in and out of that spot, you know, rotating in and out of that spot this camp. Um, two guys that haven't played before, you know, Tate, you know, has been the backup for, for two, two seasons now. Uh, you know, he, he, he came in last year, I think, and, and had gave things ahead of him. It was now in the, uh, Kansas City Chiefs camp. I have not checked to see if he's uh, made it through the first round of cuts yet or not, but, um, definitely has been enjoying catching balls from Patrick Mahomes this <laughs> August. But, you know, t- Tate's a guy transferring from Memphis last year. It's going to get a shot. And Holden Willis is a transfer from South Florida. I think he played mostly on the outside there and has, has learned the position. And, and you've really seen his growth a lot in camp. And then, you know, the, the other slot guy that, that's gotten a lot of attention is Elijah Metcalf, who's somebody that's been in that wide receiver rotation the past two years, just hasn't been in that starting role. So he's got a lot of snaps and a lot of experience. Right. But, you know, he's now going to get a chance to, to to run some of those more slot concepts and has a lot of speed out of that slot position as well. Some good spectacular catchability. Um, and then really, you know, the, the biggest question mark for me is the, the other outside receiver, you know, which, you know, right now, Javante Sherman is the guy that had a great spring. He's a guy that they have a lot of high expectations for um, internally with the team. And But there's been some guys, you know, chomping at his heels that, that are making that a, a difficult decision at times in camp, I think. Uh, particularly the two uh, Power Five transfers that come in wide receiver room: Justin Olson, who came from my alma mater, UNC, and Kalani Norris from Georgia Tech. Um, you know, they, they had to come in in the summer. They missed spring ball, finishing up classes at their old school, but they've quickly risen up the depth charts in that time as they've gotten more familiar with the scheme. And uh, there's somebody that I think will, you know, at least have an effect in multiple games this year. I just don't know when that will come uh, this season. You know, that's going to be interesting. One of the running jokes that we've had um, sort of our podcast with our audience is that uh, uh, we'll, we'll give up big plays to the tight end with, with some, with some regularity. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the media will ask Saban about it and he'll say that, well, we don't run an offense or we don't run a defense that doesn't cover the tight end, except for sometimes it looks like we do. <laughs> and so, so when I looked at your roster and I didn't see a tight end, I got really excited and uh, but uh, we might need to get on the horn with uh, the coaching staff and say if they line up in the slot, treat them like a a, a tight end and, and let's cover them this time. Mm-hmm. So that'll be uh, that'll be an interesting thing uh, to see. Talk about uh, running back uh, Frank uh, Peasant. Looks like he's uh, probably the bell cow uh, among the backs. It's over 700 yards uh, last year, so he was uh, reasonably effective toting uh, toting the ball. What kind of player does? Uh, you know, does he look to be – and I think of, like, Alabama fans think of the uh, sort of the the style of offense, the air raid, and we think a little bit of Mike Leach, who almost never uses – used uh, the late Mike Leach. Uh, he almost never used his his running backs. And it looked like, uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of variations in, in, on, on the theme. Uh, and it looks like uh, MTSU does use a running back a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Talk, uh, talk about Frank and just the running back uh, group as a whole. Well, you know, we'll start with Frank, and we'll get into the scheme a little bit later. But but Frank is a power back with a capital P. He was initially recruited to Middle Tennessee. They, they first, he first got on the team's radar as a linebacker, um, and and so that the he was a two way player in high school, um, and, and they wanted to recruit him to be a linebacker here. And then I think he ran for two thousand yards his senior year of high school, and they said, "All right, uh, we're we're gonna put you in the running back room initially, see how you do." and you know, he, he had he had a really, you know, uh, stacked group his freshman year here that he had to work through, but still found a way to get on his field as, as a true freshman. He's entering his junior year now, so I've got to see his whole career since he's been here. And, you know, he's one of those guys that you, you think you have him for a three-yard gain, and, and then he just pushes through two guys and gets that extra two yards. 
and makes it a five-yard gain and, you know, can run between the tackles really well and has that good. And one of the reasons that he plays a lot is that he, he's good in pass protection. They, they can keep him in and pick up a blitzer and because he's got that big build. And, you know, he's somebody that, that, that can take a linebacker out of a play or at least slow him down a lot, you know, give the quarterback just that split second more to, to get the ball out. But, you know, one thing I will say about the running back room is it's less bell Cowie than you would expect. They rotate a lot of guys in there. Air raid's all just about finding space where the defense isn't. And so if the space where the defense isn't is up the middle, well, they're just going to run the ball and run for 200 yards until they until they stop it. Yeah. And so it, it's really, you know, the, the air raid's all about, you know, much like the triple option, you get, you know, the air raid wants the defense to make a decision, all right, which two areas are you going to take away? And then we're going to go attack with, with the area that you yeah. did. All right. And so and so you have enough options there. And once it was explained to me like that, and particularly explain it like the triple, which is which is something I grew up studying, uh, made, made a lot more sense what the what they were trying to do offensively. And so you know, there are some games where we don't run the ball a lot here at middle, but that's just because the defense is taking that away and giving us other options. And then other times they take away the pass and we say, Okay, cool, we're just gonna you need know, to put five in the box, great, we'll just run it up the middle. The whole time so you know i'm excited to see it uh this offensive line which uh is uh has some positive vibes to it which i have not been able to say uh the past two seasons and that's particularly because the, the running backs have looked good in august camp so you know alabama's defense may not be the best barometer of that in co- compared to what they'll face in conference usa but you know on the other hand if, if we can run a little bit against bama i, I feel pretty confident the rest of the season how they're going to do no, I think it's I think it's an interesting matchup. I, I think and I think maybe uh, Sam, maybe even you wrote that the uh, offensive line is playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And if I look at the Alabama defense, the defensive line is where I, I personally have the biggest question uh, on uh, on the Alabama defense. And so it's going to be interesting if if you know you guys are fielding uh, an improved offensive line with the stout running back. Is our defense, especially the front? Well, we run more of a three-four, and then but it's a base nickel, and so it's really sort of a three-three, uh, or sometimes a, a two-four. And so, uh, if we're playing two or three defensive, you know, true defensive linemen up front, uh, you guys may be able to get some push, and so that's going to be interesting. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, a challenge. That's going to be an opportunity for our defensive front, for Alabama's defensive front, uh, to really sort of prove uh, prove themselves. But let's talk about the offensive line. I think you. Uh, uh, mentioned that they may be playing with a, a little bit of a chip. Uh, you know, unpack that a little bit. Well, I, I think the storyline for the the Blue Raider offense ever since I've been here has been uh, the offensive line's struggles, more or less. And, you know, they're, whether the perception, fair or not, uh, externally was that a, a lot of the – when the offense wasn't playing well, it was due to problems on the offensive line. Typically, it was the quarterback not having enough time, having to run around and, and not really being able to execute the plays. And then on top of that, you know, the going away from the run maybe in games when, when maybe they should have gone to the run a little bit more from a, you know, a fan's perspective, an outsider's yeah. perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances to all that. They've had a lot of injuries uh, the past couple of years in the offensive line on top of having, you know, starting some young guys and then having those young guys transfers out. There's, there's a guy at a uh, who was at the University of Houston last I checked. He might have moved on from there too, but. Uh, he was a starting tackle when I first got here. And then the other tackle on that team played for Mississippi State past <laughs> last season. I think he's still there. So, you know, there there's been some some turnover in that room, but they they finally had enough connectivity this offseason. Enough guys stuck around, enough guys were brought in 
that they feel really cohesive, particularly that starting five has gotten has stayed healthy and has gotten to work together for a really long period of time and, and has, has brought has come together as a group really nicely. Um, and I mean, and it was evident from the first day of camp. That was the best I've seen them at that point in camp, nice. you know, uh, you know, since I've been here. So, you know, obviously positive vibes early. Um, you know, I, I felt positive vibes about, you know, players and, and position groups on this team that have not stayed positive through the first month of the season, just depending on who we play. But initially I, I am more confident in this group than I've been in a really long time. And that's because of that connectivity and, and the fact that they've been together and, and have weathered that criticism uh, for a long time. That's one thing they talked about a lot as a group was, you know, hearing that criticism and yep. uh, taking it to heart and uh, not wanting to be the topic of conversation this year. So, you know, offensive line is kind of like a, a good umpire, a good referee. If they're doing their job well, you, you don't yep. talk about them. And so hopefully, you know, after this week and, you know, the the preseason stuff, I, I don't have a, a chance to talk about them unless I'm doing a feature on one of them at some point because that, that's the biggest hope for me. Right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Let's flip the field and uh, talk defense. Uh, what, what sort of a base uh, alignment does uh, uh, MTSU run? Oh, four down, absolutely, most of the time. They're about 50-50 whether they put three linebackers on the field or stay in a nickel with two linebackers. But they're going to have those four down defensive linemen pretty much every single play. Uh, and it's four, four true, uh, mm-hmm. four true uh, defensive linemen. Alabama yeah. will play – uh, uh, Alabama will play a, a three, four, but we, but we play a nickel. And so we take a player off and, you know, for years we took a linebacker off and played more of a three, three, five. And more recently, I think we've gotten a little cute and we'll take a defensive lineman off because, because we've really liked our defense, our outside linebackers, which are really defensive ends. And so mm-hmm. we'll look like we're playing a four, two, uh, mm-hmm. like a four, two, five, but from a personnel grouping standpoint, it's a two, four. Mm-hmm. Uh, five and so uh sometimes we're a little light on the on the ends but i mean you know will anderson was one of the cats last year and you know pretty good i was gonna say y'all, y'all y'all had so much speed with those outside backers on the edge but i'm not sure it's mattered <laughs> necessarily well yeah no that's fair that's fair but uh boy sometimes i i just like having four horses up front just you know, oh you know there, gonna... there, there, there's something you know particularly in run defense just yes. you know being able to just eat blocks sometimes with, with, with some of those bigger defensive ends and uh, particularly Zalen Wood, you know, is converted defensive tackle to defensive end who, who's going to be starting a left end fits that mold for middle. And, and, you know, middle's had a lot of success in run defense the past two years. You know, the, the takeaways, which we'll get into, uh, gets a lot of the headlines, right. You know, and, and for good reason, but, you know, if you look at the, the, the rush defense, rush defense tends to be pretty good. And that really starts with that defensive line group, which is, as deep as any in their conference. And, you know, I would put it up with, with plenty of power five teams that I've seen, you know, when, when I covered North Carolina, I would have taken all eight of the guys on the two deep on our roster compared to some of those guys that I covered in North Carolina. Now, when, you know, I saw five wins in two years, I covered North Carolina, right, so, right. you know, the, 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 some of that's there, but I mean, these are guys that they, they can play and can yeah. play hard. And even, you know, losing their, their best defender from a year ago, Jordan Ferguson, yeah. uh, it's a group that still has a lot of confidence and has only grown uh, and taken advantage of, you know, that they're, they're taking to heart having to make up Jordan in the aggregate and everybody just get a little bit better. And, and you know, really exciting group, really good size uh, for the G5 level. I think will be competitive with a lot of size up front for a lot of the teams that the Alabama will face throughout the year. And just a really, really fun group to watch. Uh, I think Miami was a little shell-shocked going against them last year, how yeah. – 
much pressure they can they can provide. And you know, middle's a defense that likes to blitz a lot. Scott Schaefer likes to, to apply pressure with, with with blitzing, but they can apply pressure with just four too, and and that's a big help. That's going to be, you know, again, with offensive, defensive lines, uh, it's going to be a great matchup to watch. I think early in the game, uh, Alabama is certainly unsettled at the quarterback position. There's going to be a push to, uh, and sort of the discussion all offseason back to spring has been, you know, the offensive line is significantly improved. A lot of big bodies across the front, uh, talented, deep running back room. We're going to run the ball a lot more than maybe we have the last couple of years. And so this this stands to be a pretty good test uh you know right here week one so that's gonna that's gonna be uh, a lot of fun uh you know walk us through linebacker i read that it's a really deep uh linebacker core uh at uh at, at mtsu and it and it's some uh you know some players leaving in in the secondary uh but a lot of returning talent and if you mentioned i have to check my notes right 73 takeovers over the last three seasons is that right yeah. that's averaging better than two uh a contest in 20 interceptions in 22 is that right yeah that's 20 interceptions than... in, in 22 for the whole yeah, second it's better than one a game mm-hmm. that's pretty dang impressive uh talk about the the back end that's maybe doing a lot of that work uh, well I mean, we'll start with the linebackers which as you mentioned is a is a room they feel has a lot of depth and you know they're, they're kind of fun to watch in, in the <clears> scrimmages <throat> i've got the scene and, and if you watch closely during the games because you know it's almost like hockey line chefs you know they'll have you know two guys run off as two guys run on at the same time. And, you know, they do that to keep them fresh because they are often having to carry a lot of load with either blitz packages or in coverage. And particularly if they're in the base nickel, they're doing a lot um, all at the same time. But they've got a lot of guys that have been around the program a long time that have grown up together. And so there's there's a real sense of camaraderie in that room. Um, You know, you you don't see, you know, the the spikes in numbers, and that's just more because the style of the defense that the Middle Tennessee runs, they're not going to rely on the linebackers to get the lion's share of tackles. It's going to be a lot of safety tackles, uh, you know, safety's creeping up to help with the run and, you know, getting those tackles in the secondary because often linebackers are blitzing on plays. But it's a very talented group, and it's a group that I think, you know, teams might take lightly just because they don't get as much publicity but it's a group that can hurt you if you're if you're not careful and then you know, as you mentioned the secondary you know this this defense's motto is uh get the dang ball back um to to put it politely right and it, it's you I mean i mean they they spend the first 15 to 20 minutes of practice doing their their sort after they're done they're done stretching the defense just does a turnover circuit for that nice. whole time where, where, where they're going through, you know, an interception station and they'll do like a, a strip station. They'll do a, a strip sack area, a strip tackle. And, you know, I mean, they spend a ton of time on it. And clearly the muscle memories clicked for a lot of these guys. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, it's sometimes like when, when there's a pass in the area, it's almost like, you know, if you've ever played Madden or NCAA football and you click on a guy and you hit that little triangle on my PlayStation to, to pick it off, it's, it's click on and like that. I mean, it, it's really, really quick. And they, they, they've they had, you know, an opportunistic defense that, that takes advantage of that. And, you know, part of that starts up from with the pressure. And, you know, the pressure can, can, can cause force some bad throws and let them take advantage of it. But that's really where the secondary makes it, its bread and butter is getting those turnovers. Um, but because the defense is a little opportunistic and, you know, some might say likes to gamble a little bit, uh, that has historically left them exposed on the back end at times. They, they tend to give up a fair amount of passing yards in games. Um, and, and when it goes really poorly, they give up a lot of yards over the top. 
Okay. Um, so that that has been a big point of emphasis for the secondary this year, and in, in camp has been limiting the plays over the top. You know, we we can live with the ten yard, the fifteen yard gain as long as you don't get let them get behind you on some of these plays, and they've done better with that in camp. But you know, I think Alabama speed will be a little different on average than than their their teammate speed has been in camp. So we'll we'll see how that goes long term. Early signs are good, but I mean, really, that turnover focus has been. You know, it, it was something I, I keyed in on early when I started here and, you know, has, you know, I, now I look like, you know, a seer or whatever, you know, because I was writing about it before we led the league in it, led the country in it in 2021 and tied for second last year in 2022 in total turnovers. So a big point of emphasis and and something that they take a lot of pride in and, you know, they'll, they'll be tested, but they, they can they can make those opportunities happen. So you got to be safe and secure and from what I've read on Tommy Reese, that that's his name of the game as an offensive coordinator is ball security. So it'll be an interesting matchup on Saturday for sure. It will be. It will be. I was looking, uh, I, you know, again, just sort of catching up. Is it the Tommy West that is yeah. uh, the defensive line coach? That is correct. So Rick Stockstill was on Coach West's staff at Clemson when Tommy West was the head coach there. Okay. So that that's sort of that connection there. And then, you know, when, when Rick was hired here, Tommy West was still the head coach at Memphis. Right, and so you know, I think that that coach he left Memphis in two thousand nine or so, if I remember correctly, and then uh, you know, a couple of years after that, you know, he he's joined the staff here, and I I'm trying to think of he's at least one of four former head coaches we have on staff, wow. including in, including because Coach Stewart, Mitch Stewart, who's the head coach at Murray State, and Scott Schaefer's obviously the head coach at Syracuse, and then uh, in Tommy West at Clemson and Memphis, and I think at least one more that I don't remember off the top of my head. But the, the, those were the, the two big ones. But, yeah, Rick, Rick was hired from South Carolina initially. He was uh, on Lou Holtz's last staff and Steve Spurrier's first staff. So I guess he was one of the coaches that, that Coach Spurrier held over there. Um, but, you know, he, he cut his teeth in South Carolina, so to speak, on Tommy West Clemson staffs back in the okay. 90s. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Sam, let me get you out of here on, uh, uh, I don't know if this is an easy question or a hard question. Come Saturday, if, uh, if uh, MTSU is able to bottle up some of that Miami magic uh, from last year, what has to go well? What's one or two things, one or two uh, things that maybe have to have happened to get late in the game and, and that prospect, uh, you know, be real? 
Well, you know, I think if you if you look at the Miami game and, and you go back and watch, you know, one of those condensed games on YouTube or whatever, you, you'll get a pretty good formula for how to any team can upset uh, any power five yeah. team, really. Uh, Miami turned the ball over, I think, on all three of their first drives, um, resulting in 17 points for Middle Tennessee off of those drives. Um, so, so, you know, for Middle Tennessee against Alabama, it'd be something like, you know, Jalen Miller starts and, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him and, and he makes some poor decisions and turns the ball over and middle gets some short fields and is able to convert on those short fields where he maybe even runs one back on uh, those situations and, and gets on the, the front foot early. And then, you know, once teams are forced to pass the ball when they're down a little bit, then middle can use the air raid to sort of go that, you know, air raid's a clock control offense, really. If you look at it sometimes, you know, there's some tempo to it. Sure. But it's really a ball control offense. The goal is not to turn the ball over, just keep the ball with you and keep it out of the other offense's hands. And, you know, you saw against Miami where they had they were able to string out some really long drives to, to stretch that game out. And that's only going to be easier this year with some of those changes to the first down rules and stuff like that where the clock doesn't stop except for the last two minutes of each half. So you really it, the key is going to be getting some early turnovers and, and turning those turnovers into points and then being able to control the clock you know, as the game goes on, uh, I think the biggest difference is, is that I, I suspect Alabama will be able to adjust a little bit quicker to what middle is doing well than the Miami was able to last year. Uh, Miami, hearing from some of the players after the game, if I remember correctly, uh, kind of took the week off of preparation for that. And right. uh, that's not going to be, that's traditionally not a problem for most teams in week one and, and certainly right. not for Alabama. So I, I don't think that's going to be in middle's favor necessarily this year. But if things go well for middle, it, it's going to be starting with those turnovers and, and getting some pressure to whomever starts for Alabama early at quarterback and, and forcing them into some poor decisions and getting the ball back. Yeah, you know, I think I, – and I say this a lot about offensive line play. If you're going to – if if someone's going to hold, someone's going to hold. But not everyone gets to do that. Not everyone gets one. And mm-hmm. so I think an Alabama quarterback – is going to have an ugly turnover. Uh, it's going to be part of the growing pains. We're not exactly sure how the quarterback room is is going to is going to sort of play out. But the trick is not everyone gets one. <laughs> we we can't be giving away three or four of these things. Uh, mm-hmm. I predict one or two, but uh, we got to be careful. Uh, we got to be careful even getting up to two. And uh, and you're right that that quickly becomes a recipe, especially with an opportune uh, uh, you know secondary opportune defense uh, like you talked about. Uh, that's going to be uh, an interesting. Uh, an interesting matchup. There's several as we talk through this and and you know understand the team a little bit better. Uh, there's several uh, I think quite interesting matchups that uh, uh, that uh, you know both teams are going to learn about themselves as as well as uh, each other uh, on the field on Saturday. What's the future for MTSU? There's a lot of construction on campus, a lot of excitement. Talk about sort of uh, you know where you see uh, the program, the athletic department going as a whole. Well, you know, Middle Tennessee was was one of the five schools of when I joined the athletic department in 2021, there were 14 teams in Conference USA. Of those 14, five still remain, including Middle Tennessee. So there, there's been a real, you know, point of emphasis since that happened, really. You know, my whole first year here of, of all that change in turmoil, three teams left for the Sun Belt that year. And then we had another six that left for the American last year after, after staying on for, for a sort of transition year. Uh, there's been a point of emphasis to sort of raise the standard on campus, and, and that started with the Bill Blue project. Um, they, they've they've just broken ground and and, and demoed uh, the site for the $65 million student athlete performance center, 
which is going to house a new weight room, football locker room, football coaches' offices, uh, you know, physical therapy, training room, uh, equipment room, all that stuff uh, will be housed in there. And we'll have some some sort of game day centers in the end zone there that has a lot of people really excited. And then there, there's a couple of phases beyond that. There's some plans for some renovations in the basketball arena, as well as an indoor practice facility, which is something that the middle Tennessee does not have um, that, that is really needed uh, to, to help keep practices going. And not just for football, but for all the sports that yeah. we have here in middle. Uh, one of the things I love the most about working for the athletic department is it is an athletic department that cares about all of its varsity sports and wants all of its varsity sports to be successful. Um, that was one of the things I loved about covering sports when I was an undergrad at Carolina was how much the, that university cared about making sure that all of its sports were successful. It's certainly true of Alabama. I got to experience firsthand this summer when uh, Middle Tennessee went to the NCAA tournament in softball at the Tuscaloosa Regional, and I got to see that firsthand, just that incredible atmosphere yeah. and fan base there. And so w- one thing I always try to encourage to, to any anytime I go on one of these uh, podcasts or another fan base is, is to find an Olympic sport team for your school that you can be really passionate about. Yeah. Because I, I think that enhances your fandom so much to, to to have one of those teams that maybe doesn't get, you know, the press that doesn't have, you know, the, the newspaper inches and the TV segments and, and to get invested in their success and get invested in what they're doing. Um, you know, I found out with the volleyball team at UNC and, and, you know, a place like Alabama, it's really easy to find teams like that, that you can invest in. Right. And so that's, that's something I encourage all your listeners to do. It's something that one of my favorite parts about middle is I get to cover all those teams in addition to the football and the men's basketball and the women's basketball and some of those, you know, sports that get those headlines. Yeah. Um, is I get to, you know, go work stats at a soccer game, which is what I'm doing on Thursday. Right. And what I'll do on Sunday after we get back from Tuscaloosa. Right. And, and, and being a part of an athletic department, you know, is, you know, that's one of the, the fun parts about my job and, and I think, you know, as a fan, it's so much more fun to be a fan of, you know, very specific programs and yeah. have sort of that sense of community because it's a little bit smaller, it's a little bit more intimate. And, you know, one great thing about schools like Alabama and UNC and Middle Tennessee to some extent, given the size of our student population, is you can make a big school feel really small. Yeah. And you and you can make a big athletic department feel really small by, by rooting on one of those teams and getting involved in them. And uh it, it you know so I, it's something that I enjoy and that's one thing the student athlete performance center is going to help all the teams here not just the football program and you know it, it's cliche to say you know and I sound like you know one of our athletic administrators is trying to get a, a donation for it for sure but you know it's very true that those yeah. things impact every student athlete on campus and you know it, while you know everybody knows the football is you know the front door for everything but it, it, it helps everybody out and and getting to be involved with those programs uh really is is a gift that, that gives back tenfold in my opinion that's awesome that's true that is a tremendous uh recommendation that's a tremendous piece of advice i i appreciate you i appreciate you sharing uh you know that you know sam we talked about just you know just before we got on the air i'm from the nashville area and so uh i'm a, you know a big fan of middle uh i'll dial that down on saturday because you know it's how that's how that works but uh you know overall uh definitely a big uh a big supporter uh of uh <laughs> right of uh of, of middle tennessee and uh mm-hmm. you know just kind of being uh, from the area and so uh look forward to a good game on saturday and certainly uh you know cheering you guys on uh the remainder of the season sam so appreciate you joining us tonight thank you so much for joining us well dave you reminded me of just one more thing that yeah. you, know, you, you you mentioned you know be, being a fan of middle you know because of your family connection and uh rick stock still actually has a family connection to alabama 
his daughter Emily uh, went to Alabama and worked in the recruiting office uh, for the football team when she was there. Uh -huh. um, so we, we talked a little bit about with, it, with that with him today at his presser. And, you know, he gave a nice answer about, you know, how much, you know, how all the great experiences Emily had and everything um, as a part of that. And you're getting to go to, you know, SEC championships and college football playoffs. Right, and, you know, right. you know <laughs> Rick talked about how, you know, she go to the SEC championship game and then come to Middles Bowl game and then go to the, you know, New Year's Day Bowl game that the Alabama was in and, you know, how fun that was for her. But, you know, she ended, he ended it with, you know, she, she's going to have a great time seeing her friends, you know, and rekindling friendships with, with her, her friends that still work at Alabama. Uh, I just hope that she roots for her dad and brother uh, at the end of the day. So um, a fun little family connection there that I don't Love think it. most people are going to be aware of, but That's you awesome. know, I, I suspect the SEC network might bring it up at some point during the broadcast, but if you listen to to, to this podcast, you, you will know uh, before they, everyone else does about that. That's connection. awesome. See, that's, that's, that's fun stuff. I appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Sam, thanks so much. We so appreciate uh, having you on and uh, enjoyed learning about the uh, uh, middle and uh, the inside scoop there. I love that. Oh, I had such a fun time, Dave. Please have me back anytime. Ho hopefully. Uh, you know, we can schedule this game or, you know, the powers that be above me can can schedule this game soon. And as you know, I love chopping it up with you guys. I don't get to do it all the time, given where middle is, but it's exciting every time that I get to do it. But looking forward to it and looking forward to seeing how, how things work out the rest of the season. Absolutely. We'll do it. And we're back. What I say, that was a pretty good interview. Uh, Sam's a lot of fun. And uh, it was certainly fun to learn about uh, MTSU, uh, the opponent this Saturday. Uh, again, this is why we love these interviews, because we get to spend time with uh, folks who know these teams, they're passionate about these teams, and they carry that excitement into the conversation, and they share uh, their experience uh, with their team, and uh, it really sort of personalizes the game in a way that we otherwise might not would get. Uh, it would be an anonymous team, anonymous players, and uh, this sort of peels back the covers on that a little bit. Uh, over the last couple of years that we've been doing these interviews, I've enjoyed them more and more and uh, really appreciate the perspective uh, of the opponent in ways that uh, uh, in ways that maybe uh, otherwise would not have. And so hopefully that comes across in the interview, uh, the excitement uh, that that certainly that I have and uh, that the opponent has. And, and Sam certainly brought a lot of energy to the conversation uh, tonight. Uh, looking for, certainly looking forward to the game uh, this coming Saturday. Should uh, should be a good one. I think there's a lot of matchups that are going to be interesting to see. Uh, Alabama quarterback situation certainly uh, figuring itself out. Uh, MTSU is, is known for uh, a stout up front uh, against the run and certainly turnovers. And those are opportunities that if Alabama's not on their P's and Q's, uh, we can really struggle there. Uh, I don't know that it jeopardizes losing the game, but Alabama can look really bad uh, and, and really uh, exit the game, uh, even having won, looking very, very bad uh, and just let the negative uh, press unfold uh, going into Texas. So it'd be really good to have a good showing uh, build up the confidence for uh, uh, for the team, and uh, certainly where there's going to be uh, some competitive matchups, we'd like to, like to see Alabama cleanly uh, win those matchups. But uh, we don't know how that's going to unfold, and uh, it's an oblong ball, and so it's going to be fun to see uh, how that certainly unpacks itself. But it was a great interview. Again, we enjoyed having Sam on, and uh, a lot of fun. We look forward to continuing these interviews uh, through uh, the most of the season, uh, through the full season. Uh, I think there's a couple of three teams we don't yet have someone lined up, 
And uh, we're looking to wrap that up uh, as we continue forward in the season. All right. That'll wrap up tonight's show. Uh, what do we do? You know, roll tide. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.